You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's have a look at the markets through the eyes of Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. And the one theme that I'm developing, you know, I develop themes, uh, Joanne, and today's mm-hmm. theme, and it may go on for a couple of days, is that these, that what used to be known as the FANG stocks, and I'll still call them the FANG stocks, and let's remind ourselves, mm-hmm. it's Facebook, Apple, Amazon, and Netflix and Google. I, I know it's changed, but you get the drift. That you used to be able, yeah, I mean, about three, four years ago, even up to two and a half years ago, you could have probably bought them all via an ETF in one nice, neatly packaged basket and made a lot of money and sat back and, and just looked at your quarterly statement. In the last week or so, the, the results that have come out means that you have to be a stock picker within that little universe of high-flying stocks. I mean, you saw Netflix's numbers, not so good, or rather the market perceived them as not being good. Alphabet, Google, very, very good indeed. Uh, last night, what did we have? Uh, Meta, which used to be uh, called Facebook, horrible numbers, according to the market, going down. Apple were spectacularly good, and so we go on. So they're splitting up, aren't they? They are splitting up, and I saw somebody, I think on Twitter, put about, is it going to turn into the ugh index? What does that mean? <laughs> you're basic, well, you're basically no longer Facebook, um, no longer Amazon, because people are worried about Amazon too, no longer Netflix. It becomes a, the AG index or the ugh index. Maybe you keep Apple there and you keep Amazon. I mean, maybe you keep Amazon. I don't know. Look, these things, whenever you've got an acronyms in markets, they tend to not work over the long, very long run. And I think... Fangs are just proving it once again. Wait, what was the other one we had for emerging markets? Oh, the BRICS. Oh, the BRICS. I remember BRICS, yes. yeah. That was yeah, a Goldman well, Sachs. That was the chief yes. economist of Goldman Sachs coined that little yes. one. And that, and that lasted for a couple of years and then it's disappeared, of course, now. Yeah, And exactly. that was we Brazil, Brazil yes. Russia, India, China, China, South Africa. Yes, BRICS. Yes, BRICS. So that's right. It was when an S came along the line. It was BRICS. South Africa got thrown in. Yeah. And that didn't work out so well. Uh, and now we have the fangs. Well, I'm sure in time people will forget about that. But but it is interesting, your point about, I think it speaks to a bigger picture at the moment that just buying indices, I think it's going to be quite dangerous in 2022. And it's something I've been doing for my clients. So mm. we made a lot of money just buying passive funds in 2021. And, and they massively outperformed active stock pickers. But I think if you're looking to 2022, I know these are famous last words, but this is the year that the active stock pickers have got to start adding value. They've got to find the Googles, avoid the Fang, I mean, avoid the Facebooks. That's what we're paying the money to do. So it could be interesting 2022. Yes, and also look at the ones that are emerging, because one of the reasons that these companies are, you know, for example, Facebook is falling out of favour is because people, the youngsters, and the youngsters are the one that, are ones that they're targeting. Um, when I say youngsters, probably from the age of um, 12 up to 25, they're not using uh-huh. it so much. Because if you've got a father or mother or grandfather or grandmother who are using these things, it's not cool anymore, Joanne. Your daughter and son, do they use Facebook anymore? Oh, they haven't used Facebook from ages because they, exactly to your point, that's for old people. Um, but, but they are on Instagram. And they are on, I think what they call Instagram now is, I probably get this term wrong, Finster, which is sort of a closed Instagram just for some of your friends. So uh-huh. within Instagram, they've even made it smaller. I, I, they do like TikTok, make no mistake. But even to my daughter's point, what's the point in the long run? It's quite fun, but then it's pretty useless. So look, I think Instagram is still very powerful for Facebook. I think WhatsApp is massively powerful. They're going to learn how to make some money out of it. 
because their WhatsApp people don't want any um, adverts on their WhatsApp. But but I don't th- I do think though a twenty percent reaction to Facebook is a little bit over the top. I mean I think uh, David Shapiro shared shared some stats today on it. Mm. On you know if you look at this kind of current market, it, it kind of trades at these twenty percent levels down. The forward PE of Facebook comes down considerably. It's really not that expensive. It's not like it's trading a forward PE of fifty. I think the numbers I saw were trading a forward PE of seventeen. I could be wrong on that, but you know that's where it falls twenty percent. But yeah, some, it's not that expensive, actually. It's certainly not 2,000 levels of where a lot of these tech companies got to. But but equally, I do think a 20% seems like a massive overreaction. It was higher than that, actually. When when it first started trading in the aftermarket last night, it was it was down close to 30% with a few errant traders pressing buttons rather over-enthusiastically. Over but what do you do from here? Do you just say, well, these are great companies. They will continue to be great companies. They will continue to reinvent themselves. And Zuckerberg has come up with this meta thing, which could actually could destroy the company if it doesn't take off. But if it does, then well done to him. And um, they'll, they'll find new iterations of themselves. They'll reinvent themselves. And they're good companies. They've just got to come down a bit in valuation-wise. I didn't realize that uh, Meta or Facebook uh, was was so low on the PE scale. No, 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 no. That's if it trades down at these levels. So we've got to see what happens tonight. Because mm. it traded, I think, 20-something percent in the aftermarket. You know, it, it might be a very different story when it actually opens in the U.S. markets this afternoon. So, I mean, he's just saying that these things come at those prices and the P.E. ratio will come down considerably. These things aren't trading at extreme valuation levels. They are expensive, but they're not extreme. And if they fall 20 percent, then they're starting to look more interesting. I, I think what people are genuinely worried about, back to your point, is what happens to their future customers. And I think that people have always been worried about that. Because to your point, if the young people aren't using it, then it has a problem going forward. But, you know, all having said all that, I still think a 20% move, it's a mega cap company. This is not a small cap company. It's not a penny stock. It just, it speaks to me more about the emotions currently in markets. We feel like we're in very, very jittery markets right now. Okay, so what do you look at uh, with the old Fang stock story? I mean, and, and Microsoft has got to come in there as well, even though it's an old Fang, it's reinvented itself and is becoming a new Fang. I would look at these ones. I would look at Amazon, and the reason I say that is because of the the Jeff Bezos yacht story, which which broke yesterday, which is which is extraordinary. Well, what story was that? Oh, well, because I live in the Netherlands, I watch um, the English Netherlands news. It's a website, and they tell you what's going on because I don't speak Dutch. Anyway, he's having okay. he's been having this yacht built. It's not a, not a super yacht, a, a super motor yacht. It's a super three-masted yacht. It's obviously got a couple of engines in case there's no wind. But anyway, it's massive. Yes. The, the masts are 40 metres high. The yacht itself is 170, 127 metres long, and it's stuck. Good heavens! And it's stuck between Rotterdam and a, a lovely little town called Dordrecht in a, one of one of the Netherlands' many shipbuilding yards. But it, in order to get out to the North Sea, it has to obviously go through uh, canals and rivers and bridges and things. And there's a bridge in Rotterdam called De Hef which is very historic. It was built in 1878. It was bombed in May 1940 by the Luftwaffe, and uh, it was rebuilt. And he is paying for this bridge. And it's a bridge I used to, to cycle past every single day. He's paying for it to be dismantled in order to get his yacht through, and he's paying for it to get reassembled. And the, the yacht, I think including the cost of 
the reassembly of the and destruction and reassembly of the bridge is 500 million US dollars and I can tell you something that I will be there with my little phone uh, recording recording this event because apparently the yacht is absolutely beautiful so that was why I thought of Amazon so I'm, I'm the, the long way around to asking you this question would you go for Amazon Microsoft or Alphabet okay so Lindsay I'm not a stock picker I, I look more at the indices themselves mm. and I so I'm not going to answer that question I currently prefer the value side of the market where shares are trading at low PE ratios low price to book ratios because in a world where interest rates are going to start tightening and we saw the Bank of England raise rates today by by 25 basis points in a world where money is becoming less plentiful I want boring small I mean boring companies and low PE ratios I think if retail investors start selling the indices because they get nervous of the market, and we've also seen institutions selling, it doesn't matter which one you choose, Microsoft or Amazon or Apple, I think they're all going down together. So maybe they won't go down as much as 20% like a Facebook because they have good results. But I think once you start selling, selling at the passive level, which is what my concern is, mm. these big companies are going to fall because we've already seen a lot of small cap companies down 50 to 60% from their highs. I said to you, I think before, I think these indices are hiding a lot of bad news that's ha happening under the surface. And I would be quite nervous at the moment, these very large bigger cap stocks. So, yes, I can't tell Microsoft from an alphabet. I mean, both Microsoft and Alphabet's results were fantastic. And so were Apple's. Apple's were truly phenomenal. Yes. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not clever enough to choose which one's the best. Okay. Uh, well, that's what you say, but that's just because you've sort of reinvented yourself, uh, Joanne, to be an asset allocator and rather than stock picker. But I, I know that you know what you want to say, but you just won't say it because of your jobs. <laughs> job. Um, I, I can't be seen to be given guidance on stocks. It's no, you can't be. And, uh, no, well, there's a disclaimer. Yeah. There's an inbuilt disclaimer on this uh, podcast uh, website. How many experts have you seen? How many fund managers, asset managers, money managers have you seen uh, since we last spoke? And have they said anything interesting? Well, I've seen about 12 to 15. I've been doing a lot of research for, I work for Asset TV as well. And we had an investment conference this week. So we've been doing a lot of interviewing of managers. Uh, the one interesting thing that's come up, well, quite a few things, actually. Um, the fixed income guys are quite bullish, their asset class. If you look at the kind of coupons on offer in South Africa or interest rates on offer in South Africa in terms of our bond market, and in real terms, there's some very decent assets to be had there. Clearly, there's a concern about our long-term debt situation, and, and they all talk about that. So you don't want to be on the very long end because that's a lot of credit risk. But on the sort of medium-term end, there's some very good real returns to be had. Um, quite interesting enough, there seemed to be the view that local equities were preferred to global equities. Um, they do tend to say that quite often. But I think what is interesting is that if you look at our market, we have a lot of commodity shares. And if China is cutting rates and trying to get that economy going again, that tends to be good for the commodity markets. And if you look at charts of commodities at the moment, they're, they're doing very nicely. So, you know, South Africa does have a lot of resource shares that helps the market. And then the other story is that they hate global bonds. They've hated global bonds for ages. I don't think a single manager I spoke to likes global bonds. And you can understand why. Even if inflation at seven has peaked in the US, it might take a while before it gets to under two. And uh, with US Treasuries trading at 1.8, you know, <laughs> you need to see inflation fall a lot more from current levels to justify the prices of US Treasuries. Uh, and you've got the US Fed raising rates this year. So they don't like bonds. And on global equities, the call seems to be they love, really love value. So they're saying a very similar thing to what I'm saying is, you know, in a difficult market, you want to be buying 
almost boring shares at cheap prices. I mean, it's more cheap versus expensive or short-duration stocks versus long-duration stocks seem to be the big theme coming through. And on the tech side of things, which is quite interesting, I spoke to a few hedge fund managers, even though some of these companies have fallen 50 60% in the U.S., they, they, they still think a number of those companies are going to fall further. And in fact, one of the managers I spoke to is still shorting some of these U.S. small-cap tech stocks because you know, they went up on thin air and they're going to fall very quickly and they'll continue to fall. So the one theme that I think more interesting, sorry, I'm doing far too much talking here, but no, the not. one thing that I think is the one that's really interesting this year is I think 2022 could be the year that fundamentals matter. And we've lived in a world where it's been momentum trading markets. And I think people are going to start saying, you know, what does this company do? What is its earnings trajectory? What does its debt levels look like? If the Fed can't bail you out at every situation, can this company survive? Do they have pricing power? And certainly, you know, who, what are their competitive advantages? What are their competitive difficulties? You know, how is this company running things? So I really do think that 2022, you're going to start seeing people who can work out the good companies from the bad should have a much better year. But let's see, because we've been calling that for years. Uh, but this is truly a year for these active stock pickers to shine. Uh, yeah, what other themes? Oh, one of the more interesting themes coming through is, and I won't quote the guy who told me this. Why? But if at the because oh, shame I don't want to quote his name. But at end of 2022, his his words to me were, "If you can end the year not losing money, you've had a great year." So I thought that was a very interesting comment. So I think we're in for a lot of volatility in 2022. I don't think it's as interesting as a fundamentals matter. That will be the year where fundamentals started to matter again. And I may even uh, tweak that because I think you're absolutely right. Getting back to basics is uh, how I would put it as well, alongside your fundamentals matter comment. Joanne, thank you very much for your time. That was Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.